Welcome to Janelle Jones Empowerment Podcast. We're here to help you know, love, be, and live your dream life. We talk about reaching your dreams and all that's in between. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, hey, now it's your girl, Janelle Jones with Janelle Jones and Powers, and you know what time it is. You're tuned into Girl, You Got This podcast. We're doing the Don't Struggle in Silence edition. I am so happy to present to you Miss Shirley Elise. We're going to get to know all about her. Shirley, thank you for being a part of Girl you got this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Janelle. So I love all the authors in this book. I think it's such a dynamic book. First, we're going to learn a little bit more about Shirley. So Shirley, tell us about yourself. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, so I um, I recently just turned 40. I'm welcoming me to the 40 Club. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm 40 now. Thank God. I never thought that I would um, live to see 40, to be honest. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, it's not something that I walk around talking about. But um, just a little bit about me and my background. Um, I grew up in um, foster homes. Um, I grew up uh, just from different, not just one foster home, but I lived in multiple homes. And um, one of the main reasons why I was in a foster home is just from a lot of sexual trauma. Um, mm. I want to say from like um, starting at the age three and the sexual trauma goes all the way to age 27. And most people don't know that either, even in my family, that's just not something that we talked about. And it, and it wasn't like a shame thing or a fearful thing. It's just for me, everything just has its, its, its right timing, you know, and it has to be um, purpose-based for me. It's just not something that I just want to walk around talking about, but I want that, you know, there has to be a healing process. There has to be a closure and I have to be able to help other people. I don't want to just, you know, just talk about it just to be talking about it. So, um, but going back, you know, um, just growing up in different foster homes and then every foster home that I was in, the sexual trauma continued in every single home. So I finally got to an age, you know, I just got to a point where telling, you know, just telling people was just like, what's the point? Because all I'm going to do is go to another home and the same thing is going to happen again. So from there, you know, it just created a cycle in me. Um, it just created this mentality of, you know, if this is what um, my biological mom would allow to happen to me, because there was a time when I actually told her what was going on. And she just looked at me and she said, no, it's not go back downstairs and play, you know, and I remember that line, like it was yesterday, you know? And so from there, I always struggled with if anything that I say, could I be telling the truth? Because no one believes me anyway. So, you know, you just struggle with that internally. Um, and then I went, you know, there was a time when we had to go to court and the judge, you know, had asked her, you know, or told her, if you want your children back, you need to get rid of your, you know, your husband. And they asked her what she would do, what she would pick. And she picked him over us. So, you know, there from there, rejection began to you know, to um, infiltrate my little mind at the time and my little heart. But um, growing up, you know, it was just this thing of, well, this is just how life is supposed to be. You know, you just and I just began to go out there, had an extremely promiscuous lifestyle, you know, just 
And even in moments where I hate, you know, there were years where I just hated it. I hated living that way. Um, I would often cry, you know, in the middle of sex and different things like that and play it off, you know. And I just I, I just got to a point where I'm like, maybe this is all I'm good at. This is what I was created to do. There's nothing else to do because it seems like this is the only thing that I was like a magnet. It just seems like that's the only thing that was drawn to me. And I just never really understood what that was about. You know, I never, I never understood it. And then you had, I had times where, you know, eighth grade, I went to a house party and I got raped at the house party, you know, and then my senior year of high school, one of my, she was supposed to be a, a best friend of mine. You know, she set me up um, to get raped. And then at the age of 27, a man that I was dating, um, he put a gun to my head and told me if I ever left him, you know, that he would kill me and he, he raped me there. So my whole life has just pretty much been this, this cycle of sexual trauma and sexual abuse and, and what have you. Um, and it was just something that, you know, I could never really process or understand. And then I went through a season where I wanted to use sex as a weapon, you know, it's like, okay, you hurt me with this, with this, and all this, why all this time, you know, the enemy puts it in your mind that, you know, you are in control and whatever, but what, what he doesn't let you know is that, you know, soul ties are created and you're given a part of yourself, you know, one, you know, the Bible talks about sexual sins and, you know, when we commit them, we are sinning against our own self, you know, and it was just a lot of mental stuff. You know, here I am thinking I'm abusing men. You know, I'm in control. I pick and choose when, how, who, where, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm in control, you know, when in reality I was just this angry, broken woman, you know, giving myself away more and more to all these different people. And the numbers were beginning to increase and, and it just was creating an emotional, um, a horrible psychological and emotional just breakdown in my life. Um, so then from there, you know, God begins to walk me through some things. My first marriage, I ended up getting married because I didn't want to live that way anymore. I wanted to be protected. I got tired of the abuse and I went through a phase where actually a lot of my life, I had a fear of saying no, you know, because if you say no, it's going to happen anyway. So you might as well just give in. So you just go through all these different things that a lot of people don't understand. They just think, okay, you're a hot girl, you know, you out here and it's just like, there are some women who want to be like that, but there are a lot of men and women who don't want to be. And they just come from this foundation of brokenness and whatever's instilled to you as a child. If it's not corrected at an early age, you know, it begins to develop into this emotional and psychological monster, you know, and um, it takes on a life of its own. And that's what had happened with me. And so from there, you know, I just decided I'm going to get married. I mean, I really loved the guy. I cared about him, but I wanted to get out of that life. I didn't want to live that way, you know. And, of course, that marriage, it, the foundation wasn't right, so it didn't last, obviously. Um, and then more rejection, more brokenness. So then after that divorce, and I lost several children in that marriage, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, then I went on to you know, get married again. That marriage, it was a celebrity marriage. It only lasted about two or three months. It was turned into a physical altercation. And so I got out of that one. And then, as you know, I got, <laughs> I got married again. And I was just like, okay, God, this time I thought I heard you. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And, you know, just the emotional and mental abuse and, and physical abuse. And I just had to walk away, you know. And so um, all those, you know, I just really believe that a lot of my, um, just a lot of, just my, at least with the first two marriages, a lot of my, um, what I had endured as a child, you know, kind of just 
turned into a lot of wrong decisions um, earlier on in my life. Um, and then outside of that, you know, not only did I lose four children before they were born, then and then on top of the three divorces, and then um, then I ended up facing a, a cancer battle, which I recently overcame. Um, it's going on two years now that I've been cancer free, thank God. Um, and now, you know, I am just, um, I just became a best selling author this morning. We just found out. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Yes. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to Ashley K. Pittman. She is such an, she is, she's just amazing. And actually, I mean, I thank God for the whole, um, for the entire, the entire opportunity, but it actually came from you, you know, just your obedience, mm. listening to the Lord. And it's like, you know what? I think you have a story to tell. And so mm-hmm. everything flowed from there. Great relationships have formed because of this, um, because of this book. And I've met a lot of amazing people. And I know there's more people that I'm still going to meet that are, are, I'm sure are going to be amazing, but this whole project has been wonderful. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. And thank you, Janelle, for thinking about me. Well, I, I know it was, it was so God. Um, I remember sitting at a, in a church and it was just like, you, Shirley needs to tell her story. During a funeral. And of all places. <laughs> during the funeral, I was like, okay, God. And then Ashley had closed up, closed up the um, spots. Like, you know, it was like, okay, I got these people. And I, I um, have reached out and said, hey, you know, I have someone that I think will be interested or I think will be good for this book. Right. Is it too late? And she said, well, who is it? So I gave her the information and then it was the rest is history. Absolutely. One of the things, yes, one of the things that I absolutely love about Shirley is her openness. Um, I don't care where we are. She don't, she just say whatever it is. And she's absolutely hilarious. Like you would just <laughs> never think the stuff that come out her mouth, you just crack up laughing because she is just so funny. But the thing is, she shared openly, not just the funny stuff, but the very personal stuff. And as you heard her story of the sexual abuse, the sexual trauma, just going there, you understand her glory. Okay. One of the things that God told me to do many years with Shirley was to love her. And it was interesting because we were like, I was a babe in Christ because we met at Mm -hmm. church. I was a babe at Christ and I didn't know what was going on, but I connected with her and God was like, you just love her. And whatever that meant, you know, I didn't know what that meant, but I I did. And we're still in a a friendship, you know, 18 years later. So I thank God for that. Me too. The, I want to say thank you for sharing your story and not just about what well, now we're going to get into the pregnancy loss, but the sexual abuse and trauma that came with yeah. that and the promiscuity and the results of uh, being sexually assaulted and feeling empty. I mean, you know, some of this goes back to um, the adoption and all yeah. that, the foster care, like it's so much trauma yeah. that dates back to when you were such an early child. And Shirley has multiple books that she's writing um, and that's going to be out there. So be on the lookout for her. But just to share that part of your story and just to say, you know, I got married for the wrong reasons. But, you know, one I thought was right. It didn't work out, but I'm still and um, to be able to move. And I know like sometimes we want to be validated or, you know, whatever. But to say I don't it's hard sometimes we don't say we don't care what people think we move as if we don't but you're still moving you're still standing and you're still going and I am so proud of you for that so I want to just take a moment to say thank you for the bravery of sharing not just your story about pregnancy loss 
but your story about the sexual trauma. And I know, let me tell y'all, she, she's going to have so much coming out. So y'all be on the lookout Amen. for her. Thank now, you. you're welcome. And the Don't Struggle in Silence, is, the book is released May 20th. I want you to t- briefly share with us your pregnancy loss story. Sure. Um, so like I had mentioned um, a little bit earlier, I actually lost four children um, before before they were born. The first time I was pregnant, I was in my early 20s, and I didn't even know. And it was, those were twi- I had twins, and I didn't know until I went to the bathroom. And when I used the bathroom, there they were. Um, so mm-hmm. that didn't really have too much of an effect on me because at the time I had, I just had a lot of female issues anyway. So I wasn't even certain that I could even um, get pregnant. Um, but then the last two pregnancies were with my, my first husband. Um, the last pregnancy I lost on Father's Day, um, and that was a, a tubal pregnancy. But the pregnancy, the mm-hmm. first pregnancy that we lost was the one that's very, um, very prominent to me because it was a little girl. And um, we called her Yanni, and that was her nickname for short. And um, anyhow, she was um, she was actually named after her father. Her father's name was Jonathan, but in Hebrew they pronounced it Jonathan. So we named her Jonathan after her dad, and then we would call her Yanni for short. So that's just where we kind of got that whole thing from. But anyhow, she was um, she would be nine this September, I believe. Yeah, nine this September, and. Um, what happened was my, you know, my doctors had said, you know, I went in for my ultrasound. Um, I was excited to even be pregnant because I didn't even know that I really could get pregnant. And then, um, um, you know, I just figured the first one with the twins, losing the twins, that was just some little fluke and, you know, whatever. So I don't know. But this, when I, when this happened, you know, we had went to the altar, you know, my, my pastor at the time was doing a powerful service. And I remember thinking in my head while he was just talking, he, he was saying, you know, how before he just really felt the presence of God. And he's just really believing, sensing that there are women and men here who are believing God to conceive and have children and whatever. And he said, he's only done it one other time years prior to where he would call you know, when he called people down to the altar, laid hands and whatever, they all the women that went down conceived. And so in my head, I was just like, I was thinking to myself as he was talking, but before he even started talking about the pregnancy stuff, I said, if if he starts talking about pregnancy um, and people believe in God to conceive, I, I am going to go down there, you know, and then all of a sudden he starts talking about that. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And I said, OK. And then when he he said it, he said, anybody believe in God to conceive, run down to this altar. And I started thinking people were looking at me because I think that's just something that they mm. do with newlyweds. It's just like, I know y'all going to have a baby. It's like, man, can we celebrate, you know, being newlyweds first? But but I, but I was, I was believing God to, you know, have children. I was kind of embarrassed at first because I didn't like the attention, you know, I think because I was a little mm-hmm. older, you know, I wasn't, and it wasn't older to me, but in society, you know, most people that I know, everybody was having kids at 17, 18, 20, you know, whatever. And here I am 30 years old, you know, however old I was at the time. And I'm just like, you know, so everybody's looking at me like, you don't have a kid by now. I know you believe in God to conceive. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little embarrassed at first, but then I was just like, man, whatever. So my husband grabbed me by my hand and we went down. Fast forwarding, um, I ended up conceiving maybe about a month later after that. And um, and that's exactly what he had said. He said, anybody believe in God to conceive. And that's, that, that was such a powerful point for me because I'm a word person. And when I spend time mm-hmm. with the Lord, I'm very, God is very specific, you know, and he's a word person as well. You know, he doesn't 
use words loosely like we do or slang them or, you know, different things like that. He's very, what he says he means and what he means he says. And so at the time for me, um, that was one of the things that helped me get through my loss is because, you know, the Lord reminded me, you know, what the man of God had said. He said, anybody believing and conceive, he said, surely you did conceive. You did. I didn't promise you that you would have a child, but you, you were believing mm-hmm. to conceive and you did. And, and so I did. So that helped me, you know, um, but anyhow, as I go into get my my first ultrasound, um, you know, the the technician, she just looks at me and she's like, I have, I'll be right back. I've never seen anything like this before. And I'm just like, oh, OK, you know, whatever. So the doctor comes in and she she was so rude and inconsiderate. Um, and, mm. and she was so quick. She just did, looked at the ultrasound and then she just looked over at me and she said, Basically, she just said, you know, your baby's not in the right spot. Um, you're going to have to make a decision to terminate. Here's a box of tissues. I'll be outside when you're ready. And I was like, and I just stood there. And I mean, I was just, I just froze. And I was just like, I'm not a very, I'm dramatic and dealing. Well, you know, Janelle, I'm dramatic every day. Just making people laugh is what I like to do. But when serious things happen, I'm, I'm very mellow. You know, I don't freak out. Mm-hmm. I don't get, you know, because I like to process things. And I think because I've been through so much in my life, so many traumatic moments, I've just learned to just, just let's just see what's going to happen, you know, instead of just freaking out. So I remember, you know, I did kind of start crying and I was just like, no, I'm so tired of bad news because my whole life has always been rejection, loss, pain. Something has always been taken from me. So I'm just like, God, this is so annoying. You know, so I'm just thinking like, well, lady, if the baby is in the right spot, can't you put it back in the right spot? I mean, in the wrong spot, can't you put it in the right spot? You the doctor, you know, but but then I started thinking at the same time, well, this is my child. So if it's in the wrong spot, I I know it it, because it's me. So, of course, it'll be in the wrong spot. But, um, you know, when I finally she was like, you know, you can go home. But if you have any pain, you need to come right back. And I was having some weird back pain and. They called me back in, and when they did all these other tests, they were like, listen, your baby is connected Mm. to, your baby is outside of your uterus, connected to your main artery down your right leg. They had never seen this before. They were calling doctors from all over the country um, here in the U.S., and they were calling doctors from other countries, you know, outside the U.S., um, I mean, other countries, and so... They were like, we don't know what to do. They found several cases in other countries, like third world countries, where women have had this. And this is what they're telling me. Um, women have mm. had this, but, you know, of course, they didn't survive. Um, and they were like, you know, we don't know what to do, but we do know that you're a ticking time bomb. And as the baby gets bigger, it's pressing on your artery. And you're, I mean, you're going to explode from the inside. And they were like, you're going to have to terminate this pregnancy and you're going to have to do it quick. And so um, I just I, I, you know, um, my pastor was so supportive and, you know, everybody was pretty much telling me you need to go ahead and do this. People were in tears because, you know, we don't believe in, you know, terminating pregnancies or stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And that's just our belief. And um, but my pastor was so reassuring. He said, you know, the Bible is very clear about preserving the life of the mother. He said, you can have another baby, but we can't have another you. And I, and I, and I did mm-hmm. understand that. And I, that was so heartfelt. He's such a genuine person, you know, but for me, it was real personal. Cause I'm like, I'm a mom, you know, and it's like, I'm supposed to protect this child from anybody and anything, even in the development stage, you know, and it, and it mm-hmm. wasn't just a mass of tissue. Like one of the doctors said, I mean, the baby, I mean, I saw, you know, you, you could see her. You know, you could see your arms and everything flipping around, sucking her thumb. And I'm like, I don't understand your logic. 
you know, but, Mm -hmm. but anyhow, so it just became this thing where I'm just like, Lord, you know what you terminate roaches and rats, but you are not going to terminate my baby, you know, and just the verbiage that they use was just ridiculous to me. But I sat there and I just, I, I just had to wait. I was in the hospital for about a month or so. And I just had to wait. And I was just like, finally, I got on the floor in the bathroom hospital. I put a towel down and I just cried out to God. And I said, I need you to show me. And that night when I got back in bed, when I got back in bed and had a dream and the Lord revealed it to me and I woke up and I had so much peace and I went ahead and, um, you know, went through with the procedure and um, and then that procedure turned into something worse. I began to bleed internally. Then I was in the ICU. Mm. And, and I think you were there at one point. Um, mm-hmm. I don't uh, That seems like such a long time ago. But yeah. Um, and it was just it was just one thing after another, you know, and um, and I really didn't get to process it all until, you know, um, until I got home. You know, everybody was there to make sure I would stay alive. I had a lot of people praying for me, people in other countries, people around the world that I never met because at the time my pastor had stopped service. And I literally watched, I was watching online from the hospital and I watched God move heaven and earth on my behalf for me, for somebody like me, you know. And he said, I need 100 people to fast and pray for Shirley for three days. And I mean, everybody around the world, people were praying and fasting longer than three days. And it was just such a blessing and such a miracle. And so that's where I get my faith from. When I pray for other people, I always pray that that same faith that everybody used for me during that time, you know, I will walk in that when I pray for other people, because I, I'm, that's the reason why I'm still here. I mean, I know God had a plan, mm-hmm. but it was people, people stopping their lives just for me. And it was just such a, a one, you know, that was an amazing time for me um, just with that. But everybody was there during that. But once I got out the hospital, it was just like everybody went back to normal, like instantaneously. Mm. And so it was just like, you know, I want to cry. I want to talk about this. I want to relive this again, you know, with people. Nobody was there, you know, and it was it's, it's OK. You know, it wasn't that people turned their back on me. It was just that the season that they were supposed to be there for it was up. You know, and I mm-hmm. saw myself, I literally, Janelle, seen myself going crazy. I saw myself going insane. I seen myself losing my mind and I started crying. And as I, I'm literally scrolling through my phone and I'm trying to text people, reaching out to people, getting ready to call people. Nobody answered. Nobody responded. Mm-hmm. And I remember I heard God so clear. He said, they're not going to respond to you. And I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, turn to me. And so I had no mm-hmm. choice but to turn to him. And and then that's where we get into the whole, um, like I said, in, 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 in my chapter of the book. And of course, the chapter of my book is called Expiring Grief. But I had to get to a point where I had to expire grief. I had to put an expiration date on grief or grief was going to expire me. And, and that applied. Mm-hmm. That was my mentality for every situation that I've ever lived and that I go through. And I'm still using that for other areas. I haven't overcame every single thing, but most of the stuff I have. But for this situation, I had to put a time limit on it. You know, I had to say, you mm. know what? Okay, this is the reality of it. She's gone. She's not coming back. I will not see her again until I leave this earth. And, you know, and I'm like, I had to tell myself those hard things. But at first I had to be where I was. And that was hurt. You know, that was broken. I didn't want to see other people's kids, especially little girls. I didn't want to see. I did not. Mm-hmm. I still to this day, I haven't been to a baby shower. Um, just because you just don't want to go through that whole Oh, I know she lost her kids. I wonder how that makes her feel. You know, those type of things. It's like, 
And I, to be honest, I probably won't go to a baby shower until I have my first child. And I don't, I don't know, you know, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. You know, call me selfish, call me whatever, but I'm okay with that. I've learned to just be where I'm at and I owe nobody any explanation, you know, for that. Um, I still give gifts, you know, I, now, I mean, I work with kids, as you know, Janelle, so I absolutely love, I love children and God has used several little girls throughout these years to just, oh my God, to just fill that void. And so that part of my life is over. I'm not hurting anymore, you know, from her loss. Um, but there are moments where I think about, like, I wonder what she looks like. You know, I majored in dance. I do hair. So I wondered if she would do those things too, you know, um, if she would be athletic like me or hyper like me or goofy. You know, I think about those things. And, you know, when I'm sure when she turns 16, I'm going to be thinking about, is she going to be driving? You know, different things like that. You never stop thinking about her. You never stop celebrating her. Um, But the pain, it just gets easier. You know, when you get to a place where you say, you know what, I'm ready to let this pain down. And sometimes you have to make yourself lay it down. There's not going to be a perfect time where it's like, okay, it's, you know, you know, three years from now is going to be the perfect time. No, but you, sometimes you have to force yourself into creating that perfect time because if you don't man the enemy will ride you in your brain and your feelings and your emotions and you know before you know it you're like a walking zombie you know mm-hmm. you just existing absolutely, you're not even absolutely. yeah and you start developing hateful mm-hmm. feelings and you know just horrible thoughts and emotions about other people you know you have to get to that place and for me you know, I have um, one of the things that I constantly do almost every single morning is that when I wake up, I just say, you know what? I plead the blood of Jesus over my feelings and my emotions. And I declare that I will not be ran by what I hear, feel, see or think if it all goes against the word of God. And then there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about Christ being the shepherd and bishop of our soul. And we know our soul is comprised of our mind, will, and emotions. And that's something that I always say, you know, when the devil starts making me feel unworthy or he's just like, you know, you'll never have kids. Look at your age and nobody will want you because you've had three marriages and you were this and that. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know what? Christ is the shepherd and bishop of my soul that's comprised of my mind, will, and my emotions. I lay them at his feet and I'm submitted to him. So anything that you tell me. I have to, I, I don't even accept it. I plead the blood of Jesus against that. And I did that with my baby. I did that with, you know, just a lot of things in my life. And that's what continues to allow me to press forward every day. In this, why, when did you realize it was important to share your story? When you called me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no. Amen. I mean, you know I'm goofy, but no, seriously. So, I, I've, I've always kind of talked about it, you know, when just in casual conversations with people you meet and they happen to be talking about pregnancies and different things like that. So I've always kind of shared it here and there, not on a, um, not like on a, on a bigger platform as, you know, with this book with Ashley. Um, but when, when you had mentioned that, um, to me or whatever, I had already been praying even before that. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be writing. I know I'm supposed to be speaking. I know I'm supposed to be doing these things. I'm like, okay, I just need a door open. I'm like, okay, I just need help because I help so many people with their stuff. And I'm like, Lord, I got enough seed in the ground. Excuse me. So I know that if this is something you want me to do, you're going to open up a door and I just need somebody, you know, to help me. And once, once that door gets open, I can do the rest. And sure enough, here you come calling me, you know, Shirley, I talked to, and I'm just like, oh my God, here we go. And so when then mm-hmm. at first I thought it was kind of like, mm-hmm, okay, I mean, I trust you, 
but you know, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know anybody else. So I'm just thinking like, Hmm, I was like, well, maybe this is just kind of like a little, everybody always says they're going to do something and never, they never follow through. So I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when she called me, we clicked within the first second and I was just like, you could tell mm-hmm. it was a God thing. It was just like, it was yes. just like, I didn't even have, I didn't even feel uncomfortable. It's like, I've known her forever. And I'm like, girl, I want to hug you. Like I, she was so cool, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so from there, she began to tell me the project. And to be honest, I mean, you told me a little bit about it, but then she told me more about it. Cause I'm like, you know, I had to ask her, I said, you know, listen, I said, um, my faith, I'm a, you're, you're asking me what I, what brought me through. And I gotta be honest. I said, I can't tell my story without Christ. So if you're looking for somebody to just tell their story and leave out, the big man, I said, I can't, I'm not that person. And she said, no, she said, absolutely mm-hmm. talk about it. I mean, cause the reality is I'm, I am only able, I'm, he pulled me off of my deathbed several times and I'm only here because of him. So I'm like, I have to incorporate him into everything that I do because it's the, tr- it's, it's true for me. That's my story. And so, um, I didn't, I never thought that God would start my journey out with using this story. Um, it's not like you, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit before, um, before the show, but it's not that it wasn't that it's important to me, the pregnancy thing it's just, or the pregnancy loss. It's very important um, and it has its place in my life, um, but it wasn't detrimental or ve- it, it was painful, but it wasn't ultimately traumatic for me like some women. And and I say that not to be insensitive. I think for me, it was because my whole life had been traumatic and I had so many traumatic instances in my life that this was just another one. And so for me, it was more of this is my life. Nothing good happens for me. Everything bad is supposed to happen to me. So I'm expecting mm-hmm. it, you know, to not. So that was my mentality. So had I had a decent life, a decent upbringing and different things like that, and maybe, you know, and then I had a a pregnancy loss, it probably would have hurt a little bit more or a little different. But I think once you get so much pain and so in, in, in the same area, but just different types, you become callous. So you recognize that it's a loss, but you just don't even have space anymore to hurt because you've been broken so much. It just becomes normal for you, if that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> it does make sense. Wow. It's just it's like this is yep. another thing um, yeah. that's happening. Wow. Yeah. So let me um, ask, what do you want others to learn from pregnancy um, loss? You know, you just, for me, I guess the most important thing is to just be okay where you are. You know, um, mm-hmm. don't worry about, you know, um, well, so-and-so cried more. I'm not crying. So maybe I don't care as much, you know, don't do the comparison thing or they didn't cry as long and I'm crying too long. And, you know, maybe, you know, don't do any of those things. I think it's just important to be where you are because God meets us where we are. And I had, I had mentioned that Mm -hmm. before in the interview, um, several days back with Ashley, you know, if we're telling somebody to meet us at the East side Walmart, but, we show up at the North side Walmart. They can't meet us where we are because we're at a different, we're at a different place than what we originally, than where we originally said we would be and where you originally are is in pain. And if that's where you are, that's where God will meet you, you know, and it's okay. I mean, cause I've, mm-hmm. I said it in, in, in part of my chapter, you know, doing during church events when the kids would be dancing and stuff like that, 
I would just have to force myself to clap. I know how to celebrate others, but I would have to force myself to clap and keep the tears from rolling and look the other way. And I'm like, oh my God, most days I won't even go if I know the kids ministry is ministering. But if I get caught up in that, you know, they just happen to be doing something I didn't know about. And, you know, other people will look, lean over to me and they're like, oh, aren't they so cute? And in my head, I'm like, no, I want to, I want to slap every mm. single one of y'all off this bench and say, wasn't that cute? You know, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. But, you know, I had to deal with that. I had to be honest. I had to be where I am. And I had to say, Lord, I'm not, I, I'm grateful that they're enjoying their blessings and that you created a wonderful thing, but I don't care. I'm not happy for them right now. You know, you have to be there, mm -hmm. you know, but even in saying all that, it's still like, but you know what, God, I need you to, to just help, you know, help me in my heart, help give me a different perspective, you know, help, help me in my pain. You don't just say it and leave it there and allow yourself to continue to grow bitter, but you just have to say it and just say, you know, at the end, just like, Lord, but I want you to help me to restore my heart, you know, so that way I can begin to walk in love towards not only you, Lord, but towards myself and towards other people. Because sometimes, you know, I think we get mad at God when stuff like that happens. We forget, you know, he's all great and wonderful when, when we, when we become best-selling authors, Hey, you know, or when, when things mm -hmm. go great, but then when things happen that we don't understand, it's just like, well, why would God do that? You know, and God does all things well. And the main thing that helped me through every single thing, Janelle, is knowing that out of everybody, God knows what it's like to lose a son, you know. And, and so mm -hmm. when I think about that, when I put that in perspective, you know, what his son did for us willingly, he didn't have to do anything. He chose to, you know, he's the greatest example of obedience. And when he chose to die for all of us, you know, God knew what it was like, you know, he knew what it was like to lose a son, you know, and, and I'm like, so, and he loves our kids more than we could ever love them. So I know it has to hurt him, but we, there's always life after death. And so you give yourself mm. a time limit. You say, I am going to hurt and I'm going to allow myself and it's okay if I hurt. And there's some days you're wonderful. And there's some days where you just break down crying in the middle of the store. I've done that you know, but you give yourself, okay, God, I'm not going to let this thing consume me because I still have to live. I have a purpose. I have an assignment and there's other people. I am someone's answer. And so I need to keep mm -hmm. moving forward. So that's what I would just say. That is amazing. I think that's really good just to keep moving forward and not, you know, one, be where you are. It's okay to identify where you are being there, not trying Definitely. to rush that process. And then two, also understanding the importance of continuing to move because it's, it's when we don't Absolutely. move is what trap us. I have a couple more questions for you. So let us know what's up next for me. Well, I have several speaking engagements lined up um, and I've, I have more interviews. So I'm excited about that, but I do have, um, I'm actually currently working on my book, which will be out at the beginning of 21. 2021. Oh, that sounds so weird. 2021. <laughs> um, and it's, it'll, it's entitled, How Are You Still Standing? And we just said Absolutely. that, like, hey, you're still standing. So that's like kind of perfect. So make sure you are connected with Shirley and you're actually following her so you can continue on the journey because it's all it's going to free so many people who dealt with any type of abuse or rejection. Um, so make sure you follow her. And speaking of that, how can people Oh, Janelle, you know, I suck at social media. <laughs> so I am on, I am on Instagram, um, but I oftentimes forget my <laughs> Instagram name, but because I, because I am a thyroid cancer 
Um, I don't want to say survivor. I am victorious. So that is my name on um, Instagram, thyroid cancer victorious. Um, but it's still under Boldly Shirley Elise. And that's what I am on Facebook, Boldly Shirley Elise. Um, and that's S-H-I-R um, hyphen, well, apostrophe L-E-E and then Elise, E-L-E-S-S-E. But um, a lot of people like to reach me via email, which is Boldly Shirley Elise at gmail.com. Wow. Well, there you have it. We are wrapping up our interview with Miss Shirley Please make sure you continue to follow her on this magnificent journey. I am so excited that we hit the best yes. list with our new book, Don't Struggle in Silence. Make sure you grab that book on Amazon. Again, it's Don't Struggle in Silence. I am a victor where we are talking about pregnancy loss and more importantly, how we've overcame pregnancy loss. Thank you Thank so you much for, for joining me. me. It's always a pleasure to have you. Yes, here and we are going to end this. Again, you're listening to Girl, You Got This podcast. Um, we're doing the Don't Struggle in Silence. I call it now the author's edition. So thank, thank you. you so much for being here. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Janelle Jones Empowerment Podcast. Please be sure to visit our website at JanelleJonesEmpowers.com. That's Janelle, J-A-N-E-L-L, jonesempowers.com. There you'll be able to sign up for free information to help you live out your dreams.